Well, today, of course, uh, since it is Hanukkah, we're going to talk about the holiday, and uh, I think most of us are familiar with what it is, right? Uh, although I never, I can never take that for granted, <laughs> right? Uh, so, uh, you know, Hanukkah is a holiday that commemorates a, a great victory that took place, right? Uh, around 165 uh, years before Yeshua lived, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, we're familiar with, uh, in the Bible, uh, with the Babylonian captivity, right? We're familiar with that. And we know the Jewish people came back uh, to uh, the land, and you have the last three prophets, right? Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, right? And then uh, the text of the Tanakh ends, right? It ends. But believe it or not, Jewish history continues on. Right, and so the Persians were the dominant uh, empire. It was under the Persians that uh, actually the Jewish people were able to return to, to the land. But their uh, dominion did not last a really long time because the Greeks came along, right? And uh, Alexander the Great was truly the dominant king, uh, and uh, uh, we know that he died at a young age and. Uh, his uh, empire was divided up into several parts. One of them uh, was, uh, there was now a, a smaller empire in Egypt, right? They were called Ptolemies. You always know Ptolemies with a P, right? Uh, and then uh, uh, on, the other, on the other side of Eretz uh, Israel, on the other side of Israel, you had another now mini-empire, uh, and this was called the Greco-Syrian Empire. It was called, they were called Seleucids, right? And they inherited, they inherited, uh, Judea. Okay? So, uh, now the dominant, uh, oppressor, uh, of, uh, Israel, uh, was, uh, uh, basically Syria. All right? Now, when Alexander was the, uh, king, uh, he had, he believed very much that all of his conquered lands should maintain their, you know, their identities, uh, their religious practices, cultures, but he believed that the Greek way of life was the best way of life. And so therefore, it would be a very good thing for all of the conquered lands to embrace Greek, uh, the Greek worldview and the Greek way of uh, living, right? Uh, some of it had to do simply with culture, uh, and some aspects of it had to do with uh, with religious practices that they either agreed with or, or didn't agree with, right? Uh, and so to varying degrees, the conquered lands would would embrace it. Now, you know that for Judea, for Jewish people, you know, when you hear that, that's like the third rail. Like, you know, uh, what, uh, you know, we, we have this responsibility to live a certain way. God has given us a tradition. He's given us a way of life. He's given us a way of worship. And, and, uh, you know, uh, and so how far do you adapt, right? Which is, a, which is another story in and of itself. Adapting, how far can you adapt until you've assimilated, right? Uh, and that uh, became the, the issue. Uh, with uh, with the Greeks now, so you had in uh, Judea you had people that embraced 
uh, a Greek uh, a, a Greek style of life and living. Now, some of it was not horrible. Greek language, Greek uh, uh, writing, uh, style of clothes, uh, and some other other cultural cultural things. But when it came to worship, this really became problematic. And the issue of, you know, Israel worshiped an invisible God, that was problematic to the Greeks, okay? Uh, and so there was a desire to infiltrate the worship. So you had actually religious leaders that wanted to embrace what was called Hellenism, okay? Okay. So uh, you had one uh, uh, a priest, his name was Joshua, and he, uh, uh, he had a real vision for the Hellenization uh, of, uh, of, of the nation. So he goes to uh, Damascus, and the king's name is Antiochus, right? Or sometimes he's referred to as Antiochus, but we always call it Antiochus. Okay, so he says, I have a deal for you. I'm going to give you this sum of money, you make me the high priest, I'll be your man in Jerusalem. Okay? So that's working, working for a while. But there was another character uh, in Jerusalem, and his name was Menelaus. Menelaus. Menelaus looked at, uh, at Jason and said, I can do better. So he goes to uh, uh, Antiochus, and he says, I'll give you this much money, and you make me the high priest and I'll be your man in Jerusalem. So he does it. So Jason is deposed. Now, these people were not like from the sons of Aaron. You know, this is not, we're, the train is off the track, and we're not quite sure where it's going, is, is where Israel is at at this time, okay? Uh, and so now you have, uh, you have the makings almost like of a civil war inside of Judea of the, uh, uh, the pietists, the people that said, no, we, you know, we can't let, we can't let uh, these foreign practices in. And then you had the others who were saying, yes, yes, we will. Now, uh, Antiochus sees this and he sees it as, uh, what people are really doing is rebelling, uh, against him. Those that don't want this chain, rebelling against him. So he's very angry. He's very angry at this. So there's a whole series of circumstances that have to do with a war in Egypt and, and elsewhere and, and, uh, and what happens over, uh, over a short period of time. And uh, so Antiochus finds himself in Judea and he and his uh, forces invade Jerusalem. Uh, and, uh, 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 and the, basically what he's saying is, I don't care about you know, what the, what, you know, what the high priest says who bribed me, uh, we're gonna set this the way we need it to be. Okay? And so it was very oppressive, very oppressive. Uh, not only did they, um, you know, uh, uh, desecrate the temple, but they did all kinds of things, uh, in the culture and to the people and to, and to, to the citizens. And it was really, um, really horrible. And so uh, a rebellion ensues led by a family uh, who's the, uh, a family of priests. Uh, the father's name was Mattathias, and he has five sons, and the most prominent name is, his prominent son's name is Judah, right? Judah Maccabee, right? They become known as Maccabees. That's their nickname because they hit hard. 
And, uh, and so they, they uh, began this rebellion and they went from town to town, tore down pagan altars and, and they finally make it to Jerusalem. And in about three and a half years or so, they recapture the temple. They, uh, they, uh, cleanse the temple. And the holiday is the dedication of the temple. That's the holiday. And according to, uh, the Maccabees, they celebrated Sukkot. Uh, they basically celebrated Sukkot at Hanukkah, at the dedication, because that's what Solomon did when the first temple was dedicated, uh, and because uh, they wanted to celebrate this joyful holiday, and they couldn't do it when the temple was not available, right? Uh, and so they, they celebrated it uh, in this way. And so that's, that's what the holiday of, uh, of Hanukkah is. Years later... The rabbis, uh, the rabbis emphasized the providence of God and, and the victory of God. Hence the Haftorah portion, uh, you know, from, uh, Zechariah, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And about the cleansing of, uh, of Joshua the priest, right? That, that is, uh, you, you know, uh, emblematic of the cleansing of, of Jerusalem and the, you know, and, and, and the work of, uh, and the work of God. And of course, the tradition of the oil lasting for eight days. That's why, uh, we light up. That's why, that's why we have the traditions that we have. Are the traditions that we have come from the rabbis? And that is uh, having a Hanukkah menorah, lighting a Hanukkah menorah, the way we light the Hanukkah menorah, uh, and uh, eating uh, foods that are cooked in oil. Right? That's why we eat the potato pancakes. Uh, and that's why we eat the donuts, right? Uh, cooked in oil. The, the, the donut tradition, the, the sufgan yot is uh, more of a Middle Eastern, actually, a Sephardic tradition. Uh, and the eating of the potato pancakes is, of course, you know, kind of a European tradition, right? Uh, and so an Ashkenazi Jewish tradition. And so down to this day. Uh, and that, uh, you know, and, and that is, um, you know, how we understand the, the holiday. Now, it's interesting, in the Siddur, uh, on Hanukkah, there's a little special section in the Amidah, and I'm going to read it uh, right here. It says uh, here, it begins with, We thank you for the miracle of redemption, the mighty deeds, the salvation and the victories and battles which you performed for our ancestors in those days and at that time. That, of course, is the second uh, prayer that we say every every night. But then it goes on. It says, In the days of uh, uh, Mattathias, the son of Yochanan, the high priest, the Hasmonean and his sons, the wicked Greek kingdom rose up against your people Israel to make them forget your Torah and to force them to transgress the statutes of your will. It was then that you, in your great compassion, stood by them in the time of their distress. You championed their cause, judged their claim, and avenged their wrong. You delivered the strong into the hands of the weak, the many into the hands of the few, the impure into the hands of the pure, the wicked into the hands of the righteous, the arrogant into the hands of those who were engaged in the study of your Torah. You made for yourself great and holy renown in your world and for your people Israel. You performed a great salvation and redemption 
as of this very day. Uh, your children then entered the holiest part of your house, cleansed your temple, purified your sanctuary, kindled lights in your holy courts, and designated these eight days of Hanukkah for giving thanks and praise to your great name. Uh, and, and so you see they, that it's not just about the victory over the enemy, that, that, that it is overlaid with uh, a victory of God, much like you might read in the Kings, you know, uh, or in the book of, uh, you know, the victories over the Philistines. Uh, you know, and that's how it is really understood in, in, in the Jewish world. Then, uh, you know, if you go back and you read in um, uh, 2 Maccabees, actually 1st and 2nd Maccabees, both, uh, you know, you, there are some insightful things, uh, you know, about, uh, about the holiday. And I'm just going to read a couple of them, and it kind of frames uh, you know, it frames th this event. Okay, so now it's talking about Judas, Judas Maccabe, Judah Maccabee. When he approached the ascent of Beth Haron, Judas went out to meet him with a small company. But when they saw the army coming to meet them, they said to Judas, How can we, few as we are, fight against so great and so strong a multitude? And we are faint, for we have eaten nothing today. Judas replied, It is easy for many to be hemmed in by a few. For in the sight of heaven, there is no difference between saving by many or by a few. It is not on the size of the army that victory in battle depends, but strength comes from heaven. They come against us in a great insolence and lawlessness to destroy us and our wives and our children and despoil us, but we fight for our lives and our laws. He himself will crush them before us. As for you, do not be afraid of them. And so, you know, uh, in 1 Maccabees, in chapter 3, in verse 16, uh, we are reading here uh, about how the battle is framed as a, you know, spiritual uh, endeavor, spiritual battle. Uh, and now in, uh, in uh, 2 Maccabees, in chapter 2, beginning in 16, yeah, 2.16, okay, since therefore we are about to sell... Now this is uh, this is the the end of the introduction to tell the story, okay? So you can know where it is. Since therefore we are about to celebrate the purification, we write to you. Will you therefore please keep the days? It is God who has saved all His people, and has returned the inheritance to all, and the kingship, and the priesthood, and the consecration, as He promised through the law. We have hope in God that he will soon have mercy on us and will gather us from everywhere under heaven into his holy place. For he has rescued us from great evils and has purified the place. So in other words, they understand it as this is the pre coming of the Messiah. This great victory is a precursor of the, of the uh, coming of the Messiah. Okay? All right, and now in another place where you have now described uh, uh, Judah Maccabee saying these words. Meanwhile, Judas, who was also called Maccabeus, and his companions secretly entered the villages and summoned their kindred and enlisted those who had continued in the Jewish faith. And so they gathered about 6,000. This is what I said, and they went from town to town. 
you know, gathering people, right? All right. They implored the Lord to look upon the people who were oppressed by all and to have pity on the temple that had been profaned by the godless, to have mercy on the city that was being destroyed and about to be leveled to the ground, to hearken to the blood that cried out to him, to remember also the lawless destruction of the innocent babies and the blasphemies committed against his name and to show hatred of evil. Now, it's kind of interesting. I'm just going to point something out, and then we're going to move on. Uh, he says this. Okay, it says, uh, uh, Judas Maccabeus and his companions secretly entered the villages, and some of their kindred and enlisted those who had continued in the Jewish faith, uh, i.e., like a remnant, right? Because not everybody had, and not everybody was on their side. Okay, uh, so this was not just, he was like the head of the IDF, uh, you know, fighting against, uh, you know, the nation of Syria or something. This is from within the nation, Judas and his brothers stood up, uh, you know, uh, and were faithful uh, to the covenant. And that was their motivation. And they, you know, they believed that God would get them the victory, right? So that's all very important to understand uh, when we come to Yeshua. When we come to Yeshua the Messiah. So, 165 years later comes, uh, comes Yeshua. Now remember that uh, 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 Hanukkah uh, was a holiday uh, of celebrating uh, deliverance, of celebrating rescue, uh, you know, of... Um, uh, of celebrating a national deliverance from the hands of a foreign oppressor to bring obedience of the peoples back, you know, uh, back to Israel, uh, back to God, bring obedience to, to, to God back. A celebration of their, uh, of their victory, right? Over the years, I would say, uh, when you read all the history on it, when you come like to, uh, well, the Middle Ages is a good example of this. And I mentioned this briefly last night. So in the Middle Ages, you have a real dark time, terrible oppression, crusades, and so on, right? Over a several hundred year period. Uh, and so uh, 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 this song was created, Ma'ot Sur, Rock, uh, Rock of Ages. And when you read the actual translation of the actual, all the stanzas, basically uh, what Hanukkah becomes understood as is we need deliverance over oppressors. You know, people that are, we, we need someone to, we need like a, a general to come and we need like a Judas Maccabee to come and, and uh, alleviate the oppression, Right? Uh, and for good reason, right? For good reason. Uh, and so over the years, Hanukkah, really what it has became known for uh, was not so much a spiritual deliverance, but a, deli a national deliverance so that we could worship God the way that, the way that Jews are supposed to worship God, right? Uh, Hanukkah had great, uh, uh, gave great motivation to the early Zionists, the early Zionists, 
In fact, uh, you could even make the case that Hanukkah was revived uh, in a big way to become, uh, uh, you know, a much more uh, celebrated holiday uh, when you think about, uh, you know, in the late 1800s, Jews were being oppressed, you know, in, in Europe, uh, and we need a deliverance, and that was the whole idea of Eretz Yisrael and, you know, emigrating to Israel and so on. So the, the whole concept, uh, you know, took on that, that kind of meaning. Uh, and, and of course, uh, you, I'm sure, have read stories and have seen very uh, impactful pictures of, of a Hanukkah menorah in, uh, in Berlin, Germany, uh, being lit, where you see it's, it's on a windowsill, and you see, you can see through the window uh, to the other side, and you see a big swastika, you know, and, but, he, but the menorah, you know, now, today, the menorah is still being lit, yet there is no more swastika. You know, in other words, that the victory God has preserved Israel and, and Hanukkah reminds us of that preservation. It reminds us of God's uh, deliverance and of the calling of Israel to be a light to, to the world and, and so on and so forth. Okay, so when you come back to Yeshua's day, now that we just took a, <laughs> we just flew through a few thousand years right there. When you come to Yeshua's day, we know in the Gospel of John that um, Yeshua is uh, in Jerusalem at uh, at Hanukkah. Okay, Yeshua is in uh, Jerusalem at uh, at Hanukkah, uh, and uh, and of course uh, we know that he's talking about uh, uh, you know th- that he's the good shepherd, right? That's the famous. The famous, the, the you know, uh, part there that that we read about that he is uh, that he is the uh, the good shepherd. Okay. Now it's interesting when you uh, you read this uh, that when he ta- when he says he's the good shepherd, uh, of course he says a lot of things uh, in the chapter about protecting the sheep, providing for the sheep. Uh, that uh, the sheep know his name, right? Uh, and so those who are his sheep recognize who he is. He has sheep uh, that are not of, uh, you know, uh, not of uh, this um, uh, this flock, and uh, most likely he's referring, you know, to the nations and, and and so on. So that you know he has other sheep, and so you have this whole uh, uh, teaching here about about the sheep. Right? Him, the shepherd, and, and the sheep. Now, so when he gives his teaching, the people uh, are confused. Right? They're confused. So we read uh, here, uh, when, he, when he says, when he says this in verse 17, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one has taken it up. No one has taken it away from me but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. So what he is doing, he's saying, I have a very unique relationship uh, with God like no other. And I have authority. I have authority. And he, and he talks about laying down his life and then taking it up again, right? And so here, so they say, you know, who who is he? He must have a demon. He's insane, right? 
And then others say, no, no, no. Uh, these are not the sayings of a demon-possessed person. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? Noticing the works uh, of, of Yeshua. Okay? And now we read in the middle of the chapter, at that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Yeshua was walking in the temple of the portico of Solomon. The Jews, therefore, gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Okay, so understand what's going on. Uh, I would suggest that, uh, and you know, good people disagree on this, that it's the Feast of the Dedication all the way going back to, ch to verse 1, not starting in verse 22, okay? That, that John, in the middle of it, is reminding us this is uh, taking, all taking place at, at Hanukkah, at the Feast of Dedication. Now, what were the people doing, and what were their expectations? Well, remember what uh, we read there in uh, the uh, in Maccabees, uh, the prayer that that we read that you know we're here to celebrate the purification of the temple. Now, may God bring us from the four corners of the earth, uh, you know, and and basically uh, may, may the Messiah come. So I would suggest that they, uh, they're thinking it's Hanukkah. We're under Roman oppression. We are in need of the Messiah. We need another Hanukkah experience. Okay. And, uh, and so when Yeshua is talking about, uh, I am the good shepherd, clearly he's not, see, what this is not about is just him talking about all the aspects of being a shepherd. Okay, that's included in it, and, and that's good for us to, you know, to know. But that's not what he's really getting at. What he's really getting at is that he is the good shepherd as opposed to the bad shepherds. Okay, uh, and there is evidence that at Hanukkah, Ezekiel 34 uh, was, uh, was read. But nevertheless... Ezekiel, clearly, Yeshua is referring back to this passage. And, and this is important. This is sort of the backdrop of what's, of what's happening. Okay? Uh, and, uh, and so the people are, on one hand, reveling in Hanukkah, the deliverance that God has wrought for our people. We need another deliverance. We need another Judah Maccabee. We need, uh, you know, uh, uh, an, an, another deliverer. And Yeshua is saying, I am the good shepherd. Now, if you go back to Ezekiel 34, here uh, we read, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with, the, with wool, you slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Basically, he goes on to say, you've abdicated your role and you're just caring about yourselves. And it kind of reminds you uh, of what Yeshua says in uh, Matthew chapter 23. Like, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. 
You know, you do all this, but you're not caring for the people. You're not, you know, you're not being shepherds of Israel. You're not being the gatekeepers of, of Israel. And truly, at that time, uh, it was not, uh, it was not a good time. In fact, after the Hanukkah experience, after the 160s BCE, I, uh, within decades, really, Israel once again degenerated, uh, into, uh, uh, we'll just call it, you know, uh, debauchery, <laughs> uh, among the leaders, among the leaders. And that's a whole history it would take too long to, to explain. Um, but when you come then into the first century, it's not in a vacuum. What, you know, Yeshua's, the time that he lived in this world was not in a vacuum. It was not a good time in Jewish, in Jewish history. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, and you had, uh, uh, varieties of groups of people, just like we're reading in Acts. Right? The Sadducees, they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe, you know, the Pharisees, yes, they believe in, you know, the, the, uh, the invisible hand of God and, and all those kinds of things. So you, you had that taking place, uh, even in, in Yeshua's day. So what does God say? Uh, he says, uh, in verse, um, 11 of Ezekiel 34, prophetically, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep. I will deliver them from the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them back. I will feed them in a good pasture. Notice, you know, he says, I will feed my flock. I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. Don't all these things remind you of what Yeshua says in a variety of different places? Well, it's very interesting. Uh, how is he going to do this? Well, he actually uh, uh, says it here uh, in, uh, uh, in uh, Ezekiel 34. Okay, He says... Uh, I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them, and he will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So it's very interesting. Clearly, according to Jewish, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, scholars, Christian scholars, what have you, when it says David, it's not talking about just King David. It's talking about the son of David. It's talking about the, the messianic king. And what's interesting is that in this passage, you can ask yourself a rhetorical question. Well, so who's going to be the shepherd? You know, uh, is it God the shepherd or is it the king? Well, isn't it interesting that uh, later on in... Uh, now, you have to remember something here. I'm, oh, I'm going... Well, that's okay. You get a lot for your... Uh, <laughs> You got a lot of bang for your buck here at Beth Messiah. Okay? So you have to remember that Ezekiel is written in captivity. Okay? So in other words, Ezekiel's written late. Okay? Like a lot later than Jeremiah, and a lot later than Isaiah, and a lot later than Joel, and a lot later than Hosea, and, and, and all of them. Okay? Okay, remember that. So you, you have this little bit of ambiguity about 
Who's the king? Is God the king? Is the Messiah the king? Who's the shepherd? Well, it's very interesting because just a few years later, you have the prophet Zechariah. And Zechariah says that, uh, you know, the nations are going to come and worship the king. Whoa, 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 whoa. How do you worship the king? If the king is not God, you don't worship just the king, right? And so, again, you see there's God, there's the king. There's the king, there's God. When Yeshua comes, he gives clarity to the whole thing in that this is exactly who he is. So when he says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying a lot more than I take care of sheep. He is saying, I am the messianic king. I'm the one who's going to gather the people back. I'm going to protect Israel. I'm the, and not you. Okay? And not you. So, this is very important as the passage unfolds. Okay? Now, he says, after they say, tell us plainly if you're the Messiah. Yeshua answered, now in verse 25, I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. These bear witness of me. Okay? The way they understood Yeshua is the Lord because he does, he does the work of God. He is identified with God. Uh, and he says, you don't believe. Then he says, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Okay, so the Jews took up stones to stone him. Yeshua answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father, for which of them are you stoning me? Okay, Yeshua answered him, answered him, for a good work we do not stone, the Jews answered him, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself out to be God. You know, some things never change, and now he's going to explain. Yeshua answered them, has it not been written in your law? And by the way, isn't it interesting, the definition of Torah here is the entire Tanakh, because they're going to quote a psalm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I said, you are gods. It comes from Psalm 82. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified or made holy and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? Okay, so this is great. This is how he answered. This is how Yeshua, he answers the person and not the question. Right? So in Psalm 82, you know, you have the word Elohim. That's not referring to God. What's it referring to? People hold varieties of, of views. We read in uh, the unseen realm that there are created spiritual beings uh, uh, called Elohim. Right? And so the point that Yeshua is making, uh, it's a rhetorical question. He knows that it's, that they're stumped when he says this. You know, it says Elohim, and if created beings can be called Elohim, how can you be angry with me when I am, when I call myself the Son of God? That is not out, that is not blasphemy. And I've demonstrated it by who I am and by the works that I have done, that, that I am He. 
that, that I have the authority of my father. Now, you see, no rabbi ever would say that. They would never, ever, 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 ever say that. I have the authority of the God. Never. Okay? And so no one, and you read in varieties of places, elsewhere in the Gospels, and no one spoke like he did. That's what they're referring to, the authority. You've heard that it, like in, in Matthew, you've heard that it has been said, but I say to you, no one spoke, no one spoke that way. Okay? Uh, Yeshua had this authority. All right. So now they, uh, you know, they want to, they, they want to stone him. When he says, I am the son of God, know that when he says, I'm the son of God, he says, I'm the king. I'm the king. I'm the shepherd. I'm the light. I'm all those, all those promises. That's who I am. And I am the, the deliverer. Now, okay. Now he says, but if I do, if I do, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Therefore, they were seeking again to seize him, and he eluded their grasp. And I'll, I'll just stop, stop right there. So they clearly don't see him. They clearly don't understand him. But really, because it's Hanukkah, it's very interesting that he says this. I, you know, I, I might suggest uh, uh, to us that he's saying, in a way, without saying it, you know Judah Maccabee, and you know how great Judah Maccabee was and what he did and, and his motivations and like we read and all that. I'm a greater Judah Maccabee. I'm beyond the Maccabees. Or I should say, I am a greater Maccabee and my sheep, or, or I should say, I am greater than Judas Maccabee and my sheep are greater than the Maccabees. Remember when we read a few moments ago in uh, Maccabees that, you know, uh, that Judah went from town to town and the people, there was a remnant that followed him. A lot of people didn't follow him, but the remnant who were faithful followed him. May I suggest that the sheep that hear Yeshua's voice follow him? You know, it kind of reminds me of the end of uh, the Gospel of John in the first chapter. When Yeshua's disciples uh, like recognize him and they drop whatever they're doing, you know, and they follow him, that kind of reminds me a little bit of like the you know the uh, the, the, the the Maccabees uh, and, and and of the and of the uh, sheep that follow the shepherd's voice. You know, what does Yeshua do? Yeshua has basically uh, he uh, recaptures the temple. Now, not not the uh, not the Jerusalem temple, but the uh, the remnant, and he cleanses them, right? Uh, and uh, also, interestingly enough, when he says, "I lay down my life," it's also very very important here, in that I, uh, a a great value that came out of Hanukkah was the idea of martyrdom, martyrdom. Okay, and you read it in the Maccabees. We don't have to. T- we don't have time to, to read it, but there you read about spectacular cases of martyrs. They believed that they were going to live again, but you have these spectacular cases of martyrs. 
So in, in a way, what you see when Yeshua says, I lay down my life, but I take it up again, it, it's sort of like, uh, you know, in Judaism, you know what it's called, martyrdom, it's called Kedush Hashem, the holiness of the name, like as opposed to profaning the name, but the holiness of the name, you know, so, so to speak, uh, dying for the, for the sake of God, dying for the sake of the cause of God, right? And of course, uh, Yeshua says, that's what I do. Uh, and, uh, that's what, that's what a shepherd does. Uh, and so he embraces the values of Hanukkah. And, and, uh, uh, and, and so what he's doing, he is, one thing Yeshua is not doing, uh, by proclaiming himself as the good shepherd, he's not saying this is the end of the Jewish way of life. We're starting something new. Get yourself a ham sandwich. You know what I mean? He's not starting something new, okay? Uh, he's not uh, uh, saying uh, that the Jewish way of life is over. He's actually, he's actually affirming the Jewish way of life. He is establishing uh, the Torah way of life. Uh, and Yeshua is protecting the Jewish way of life. And may I suggest that because the Messiah has come, Israel still lives, and that uh, Yeshua cannot be separate, the coming of the Messiah cannot be separated from the affairs of the Jewish world uh, even uh, today. Yeshua provides deliverance. Yeshua provides true worship. Yeshua is indeed the true protector uh, of the sheep. He is the good shepherd, and he displaces the so-called, uh, the so-called, uh, uh, shepherds. And you know, he says this in other places, uh, as well. One of them is in Mark chapter 12. Says it in a different way, but he says it in Mark chapter 12. Uh, and, and this is, this is, uh, a very important because what Yeshua is saying again, I am the deliverer of Israel. Now, in the John portion, it's just so powerful because they're thinking about the Maccabees, you know? Uh, and, and Yeshua is saying, I'm providing the real, true deliverance of what you, uh, of what you hope for, but you don't recognize me because evidently you're not of my sheep. You don't recognize my, my works or who I am, okay? So in Mark chapter 12, uh, you have a statement that comes from the fifth chapter of Isaiah. There's a parable in the fifth chapter of Isaiah about the, about a vineyard, and the vineyard is Israel, and the vineyard is all run over and no good anymore, and it hasn't been cared for, and, and uh, Isaiah says, well, the vineyard is Israel, and, you know, and God is judging Israel because the leaders of Israel have not cared for the vineyard, right? So this is the basis of what Yeshua is going to speak on here. So it's at the beginning of Mark 12, he says, He began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a vat under the wine press and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers who went on a journey. Now, in my Bible, you can tell that it's a quote from the Tanakh, maybe in yours too, that comes from Isaiah chapter 5. And at the harvest time, he sent a slave to the vine growers in order to receive some of the produce of the vineyard from the vine growers. 
And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent them another slave. And they wounded him in the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and they killed him, so that many, many others, beating some and killing others. He had one more to send, a beloved son. He sent him last of all to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those vine growers said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine growers. He doesn't destroy the vineyard. destroys the vine growers. And they will give the vineyard to others. Have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord. It is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to seize him. And yet they feared the multitude. For they understood that he spoke this parable against them. And so they left him and went away. So in other words, I, why are they upset? What is, what is he saying about them? He's saying, you, are, you have been given the stewardship of caring for the vineyard and you've done a horrific job. And I sent prophets your way and you killed them. And, and, and he's prophesying now about himself. And now the son has come and you're going to kill him too. You see, uh, and and so he has said here uh, that you know giving he will give the vineyard to others. Now, sadly, the way this is understood, and what I've said even about John ten, is often misconstrued to be okay. So you see, Israel blew it, and now the kingdom, so to speak, or the vineyard is given to others. The others is the quote unquote. Church, that's how it's often preached, okay? Uh, uh, but that's not, that's not what he's saying. He's not, he's not saying it's not a Jewish thing anymore and it goes to like a, another ism uh, or itty or institution or, or anything like that. This is an intra-Jewish issue. What he is saying is, I, have the, I am the good shepherd... I am the one uh, who tends the vineyard and my sheep or my vine growers are the one now who have the authority. And that's very significant. Very significant. So what, what he is saying is, is that the remnant who follows me, these are the people who are living faithfully to the Torah. These are the people who are living faithfully as, as Israel. And if you reject me, you're rejecting Moses. He says it in another place. You're rejecting Moses. You're rejecting really the way of life uh, and devotion that the God of Israel desires. And you are abdicating uh, your, your place. And that is what he's saying here in, in John chapter 10. And so, you know, at Hanukkah, we can rejoice and say, isn't it wonderful that when we embrace Yeshua, our eyes are opened and we are the sheep of his fold, you know, and we are the remnant, uh, as Jewish believers, we are the remnant of Israel uh, and those who join all under the kingship of, of, uh, of, the, the, of the God of Israel. 
Uh, and it's, so it's very important for us because oftentimes we are understood, even our self-understanding. We have to constantly say it to ourselves. That believing in Yeshua really is a Jewish way. We're not manufacturing like some kind of um, a messianic thing. It's it's it, it is in fact being true to the God of Israel, and so by all means, we of all people should be uh, embracing the tradition. You know, embracing the tradition. Well, we might say, well, the tradition isn't in the Bible. I don't read about Hanukkah in the Bible. But, you know, isn't it interesting that Yeshua, if if someone should ever say to you, well, we, I I like to be biblical, right? We've had had people that have come to you. I want to be biblical and not uh, rabbinic. I want to be biblical, okay? Uh, And so a great place to turn is to John chapter 10. Because Yeshua was not being biblical uh, by uh, observing, celebrating, being in Jerusalem for Hanukkah. Because Hanukkah is not a biblical feast, okay? Uh, but there's Yeshua observing it. Why? Because he was Jewish, and that's what Jews do. You know, the culture is part of the whole thing. And may I suggest that if Yeshua is really our good shepherd, and we are following the good shepherd, that we have, especially in a messianic congregation, we have a responsibility to maintain the culture and the tradition and what it means to be the remnant of Israel. Not only in uh, what we say, what's in my heart, uh, you know, or in what I believe about the Bible, but in the way that we, uh, the way that we live our lives. That's our calling to demonstrate the Jewish Yeshua to both Israel and the nations. It's a very important role that we all have here at Beth Messiah. And so at Hanukkah, that's something that we, that we are called to remember. And that's what we are called. We are his sheep. We are called to, so to speak, fight that battle. But the battle, according to the way Yeshua frames it, is uh, not so much a horizontal battle. It isn't. It's not a battle against the Romans, clearly, or else Yeshua was a failure, right? It wasn't a battle against uh, never being persecuted in this world, or you know, it was a battle for the kingdom of God. Uh, and of course, later on, the the uh, the church misconstrued the whole thing and made it into a physical battle physical war of killing the infidels, right? And that is not at all what Yeshua wants us to be is light to the world. What we are called to do is be is to make disciples. That is what he calls us to do. He calls us to make disciples. At Hanukkah, may we once again receive that calling to be like a Maccabee in that sense, you know? Because that's how Yeshua was. Yeshua lived his life and he died and he rose from the dead in such a way that he did not defeat the, the physical powers of darkness that were the Romans, but the spiritual powers of darkness that ultimately is the end of the war. <laughs> you know, And that's what he's calling us to be, to make disciples, to be a light, uh, to stand firm, uh, against the darkness all around us, you know? And finally, I'll just say this, that, you know, why did they get so upset 
you know, tell us if you're the Messiah. They wanted the Messiah, but he did not meet their expectations. He didn't meet their expectations. Yeshua has a habit <laughs> of not meeting the expectations of, of a, you know, of what we see, right? Uh, in the Jewish community, Yeshua still does not meet those expectations. And for many of us, he does not meet those expectations. And you know, sometimes in our own lives, we have a problem because he doesn't meet our expectations of what he's supposed to be and do, right? And so at Hanukkah, may we recalibrate and recognize, you know, uh, the expectation that we should have about him of conquering sin and uh, sin and death and being a light to the world, you know, in, in that way. We uh, may not meet people's expectations, therefore, as well, if, if we're going about our Father's business of making disciples, as he tells us to do. There are many uh, people that, that, you know, friend and foe alike, uh, who say to us, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You know, but we say, well, what did Yeshua do? He made disciples. That's what we're called to do, is make disciples. Uh, and, um, and may God indeed, uh, you know, uh, get the, uh, get the victory. Uh, and so, uh, you know, at Hanukkah, there's a lot to celebrate. Yes, the great victory. Uh, and so may we celebrate the fact that Yeshua has gotten the victory. That, uh, you know, he is indeed the good shepherd. He is the light of the world. Uh, you know, he did die. He did, uh, ra- uh, he did, he was raised from the dead. Uh, he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father and he is still alive. He, that's why we could say if, you know, a, a cute title for this would be Yeshua the Greatest Maccabee, right? Uh, you know, Judah eventually died. Their whole movement died out, uh, right? But the Yeshua movement still lives. And still sheep are being, being gathered, you know, uh, uh, to the shepherd. And as we read in the book of Hebrews, endure, this is how we endure. We endure by remembering that he still lives. We endure by remembering who he is, that he is alive. He still protects us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We may indeed suffer like he suffered. But even if we die before he returns, we die with knowing the hope and knowing what it is, just like all those great people of faith that we read about in the book of Hebrews. And so it really should be an invigorating time for us, giving us clarity in our calling, in our, you know, in our service to God, and may we always be, indeed, uh, a light. He made us a light to the world. Let us, indeed, be light as we follow our good shepherd, Yeshua. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, um, we pray, Lord, that we would recognize the high calling that we have, that you have placed a a mantle of authority on Yeshua, and that we are the followers of the true king, the great high priest, the the chief rabbi. Uh, And uh, Lord, may we uh, recognize our calling to be this testimony to Israel and the nations, a visible testimony. And so may we, we rejoice in the calling that we all, every single one of us has as part of this community of, uh, Messiah of followers. God, and we pray, God, that we would indeed, uh, uh, be that testimony. 
We pray in Messiah's name. Amen.